Good morning. Greetings, and uh, we're going to have a great time of worship this morning. We're going to celebrate the Lord, and I encourage you to uh, enter in. Last week, we talked about the resurrection. By the way, he's still alive, so uh, we're still going to be celebrating that every day as we celebrate the living Savior. So I want to read you a passage. I was thinking about this. It's, it's just one. I want to read the one verse. It's a story about uh, Jesus dealing with Mary and Martha and, and the death of Lazarus. John chapter 11, verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So I want to encourage you, believe. Believe what God says. If you want to see the glory of God, if you want to see God show up, if you want to experience Him, believe what He says. Don't believe what your body might be saying to you or what um, your friend or neighbor might be saying to you or what the devil might be saying to you. Believe what God says. And if you believe what God says, you will see the glory of God. And we're going to experience uh, the presence of the Lord this morning as we worship. And I want to encourage you, whatever your needs might be, just to believe what God says about you and about your circumstances and your needs, and you will see the glory of God. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given all these wonderful promises to us about you, who you are, and how you want to reveal yourself to us in all of your glory, Lord. We ask this morning that you, that you pour your spirit out on us, help us to get our eyes on you, to believe what you say, and to enter into worship in our, in our whole hearts, in our mind, in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit, and we would worship you with all of our hearts, Lord, so that you can come and pour your spirit out on us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let's worship. Yeah. 
you. We need you. We need you more than we need information. We need you more than we need stuff. We need you more than we need money. We need you more than life itself, Lord. We need you. That's what we cry out for this morning, that you would pour yourself out on us, Lord, so that we would experience you and all of your goodness and glory. That we wouldn't be uh, wondering what it's like to be near you, but we would be near you. We sense your presence, Lord. You would be here with us. That's what we want. That's our cry this morning, Lord, that you would fill us with your presence, fill us with your spirit. Let your glory come down, fill the very place where we are that we can experience you and all of your goodness, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're our healer. You're our redeemer. You're our deliverer. You're our savior. You're alive and you rule and you reign, Lord. You've, you've called all of us and said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest for your soul. Lord, you have invited us to come. And I thank you that you never give up on us. When we're too busy, you're still inviting us to come. And when we're distracted and, and worried about the cares of this life, you're still inviting us to come. You never change. You never sleep. You never slumber. Your eyes are always on the righteous and your ears are always attentive to our cries. Lord, I thank you for that. That you are all about us. What you are doing in us and through us and for us, Lord, you are always interested in us because we are your children. We are your inheritance. And you've called us and you've chosen us and you've given us things to do and you said if you'll just believe in me you will see the glory of God if you'll believe in me you will see the signs and wonders that are supposed to follow you when you believe if you will believe in me you will see my presence and you'll see the glory that I've had with the Father from the beginning from before the foundation of the world Lord Jesus help us to see and believe you Believe your word. Believe what you say. I thank you, Lord, that you are healing and touching and delivering, changing us, changing us, Lord. In your very presence, we are changed, and I thank you for that. Now, Lord, I just ask that you touch us, speak to us, stir us, Lord, so that, that we will be changed today, that when we leave this place, when we finish today, that we will be changed forever, that we'll never be the same again, that all the old things will be passed away, that all things have become new and are becoming new, and we will be forever changed to be like you, Lord. I thank you for that. And I ask that you speak to each heart, each person, each person that's here today. Speak your word. Breathe those words of life into each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. Man, isn't God good? You know, it's not near as much fun doing this without anybody in the audience as it is when you're all here. I miss you guys. I'm looking forward to seeing y'all again, and uh, it won't be long. The Lord is doing things, and uh, things are shaking. There is a shaking that's happening in the earth, and, uh, and I'm excited about the fact that God is moving. 
I was hearing about uh, results of uh, prayers being answered, people being uh, delivered and set free from sickness, people being uh, released from the hospital quickly and recovering quickly, and we're just rejoicing about all that God is doing. And I, I read that scripture and I prayed it a minute ago, but I really believe that. If you just believe, you will see the glory of God. We, our responsibility is just to take him at his very word. His word is true. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to believe it? Or are we just going to just acknowledge it? Because acknowledging it is not the same as believing it. The devils, the devils acknowledge it, don't they? We need to believe what he says. Believe that more than anything else. Believe what he says. And when we begin to, to live that way every moment of every day, that's when God can begin to show us his glory the way that he wants to. Uh, uh, regarding announcements, uh, we've still got things going on. Uh, Bonnie and the children's uh, ministry folks are doing things for the children and the youth have got things going on. And uh, we've got the women's meeting. Uh, they're, they're meeting, they're having Zoom meetings, they're doing all these things. If you get connected with uh, Jean Grimm, she can tell you how to get hooked up with all that. And also the intercessory prayer is still going on on Saturdays. Uh, I don't think they're doing it in downtown now, but they are still meeting. And so if you want to be involved in that, contact Jean. She kind of heads that up and can tell you where to go and what to do. And uh, just keep tuned in. We are going to be sending out emails and uh, telling you about things that are coming up. And uh, there's all kinds of things that are going to be happening. And it won't be long, you're going to get one of those emails that says, y'all come now, we're all coming back together, and we're going to have a, have a live service with everybody together. And so we're looking forward to that. Uh, thank you for all your faithfulness. You guys have been sending in your, your offerings and stuff, paying with PayPal and, and mailing in your offerings. Thank you so much for that. And, and God is good, he is faithful, and, uh, and we do not have any lack in our body. We've... We've been making phone calls every week, asking people. No one has said, I have a need. Uh, we've prayed with a few folks, but no one has said, I'm really in a squeeze, I've got a problem. It's, it's really been going well, and God is providing. And so if you have a problem, you have a need, don't be afraid to talk to us, and let's pray with you and see if we can help you with that. We've got lots of folks that would love to help because we like loving and serving. Amen. Well, we've been talking about God with us, and um, this might be the last, might be the last session of God with us. Well, not of God with us, but my preaching about that. God's with us every time we come together. Amen. So today we're going to talk about uh, His glory revealed in us. Now we talked about God and His glory. We talked about Jesus being like the crowning glory of God's entire creation and plan. But one more aspect of that is that, that God's glory is not complete and it's not fully realized until he begins to manifest that in us as his children. And some people might, might kind of recoil with that because uh, some people are familiar with the scripture that God says, I won't share my glory with, any, with another. And... Uh, and I'm not saying that we are taking God's glory. I'm just saying that he is giving us of himself, of who he is. 
and the very weightiness and glory of who he is begins to be part of our lives. And that is a pretty amazing thing to think that the God of the universe wants to give us part of who he is so that we can be like him. And we are supposed to be a light just like we talked about God being light. God is light, and if he's in us, we are supposed to be light as well. I've got some scriptures I want to share with you. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when, when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, I read that second part of that verse because that's part of what we need to be thinking about. That uh, God reveals himself to us so that we can be like him, but he also wants us to be like him. He is pure, and he wants us to be that way as well. He doesn't reveal his glory and do all these things in our lives just so that we can continue to be the same old broken slob that we always were. He did that so we could be changed. We could be different. We could experience that light working in us and doing the things in us that light is supposed to do. It's supposed to overcome the darkness. It casts out the darkness. If you ever go into a cave where there's no light, it's pretty dark and scary in there, but when you turn a light on, it doesn't seem so bad anymore because you can see. Seeing is, is really important. So God, when we come to God and we confess our sins and we ask him to forgive us and come live in our heart, he opens our eyes and he gives us light so we can see. And we don't have to walk in the darkness anymore. We don't have to stumble around and try to find our way, but we can see and we have light. His word is a light for our pathway. It's a lamp for our feet. We can see because we have his light. And he's opened our eyes, so we're not walking around with those scales on our eyes like Saul before he got saved. We are, we are able to see. And that, that is a huge thing to understand. But God wants us to see. He doesn't want us to, to walk around in blindness still. He's opened our eyes so that we will see. Sometimes I think we, we're content to just stay the way that we've been because it's It's comfortable. It's convenient. Change is not very pleasant. I don't really like change. I like things to be the way I like for them to be, and I like them to stay that way. And when somebody tells me they want me to do something different than what I've been doing, my immediate response is, but why? You know, I like it the way it is. I don't want to change. But in the spiritual world, we are supposed to be changing all the time. But the, it's, a, it's an interesting concept, though, because God never changes. You know, we have this uh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8. We, we believe that. God never changes. But we're supposed to be changing all the time. And it's because we are not like him, but we are changing to be like him. And so that change is supposed to be happening in us all the time. Daily, we ought to be changing God doesn't change, but he's sure wanting to change us. And it's not because he doesn't like us. It's 
not because he doesn't approve of us. It's because he loves us and he wants us to be happy and blessed and free. And he wants us to be healthy and whole. He wants us to live an abundant life. And he's promised all that to us. But if we don't allow him to work in us and cause these changes to come about, then we're never going to experience the fullness of the abundant life like he intends. And that's what we want to talk about is that God is revealing his glory in us. When we see him as he is, we'll be changed and we'll be like him. And that's why when we come together and we worship, that's why it's such a huge thing that we enter in and we experience the presence of the Lord because when we see him like he is, then we can be changed. If we don't ever see God, we don't know what we're supposed to look like. You've got you to gotta know what you're supposed to be changing into, right? If you don't have any idea what you're going to change into, you might change, but you might be changing the wrong way. I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I've changed the wrong way a few times in my life, and I would imagine most of us would, if we're honest, we would acknowledge that we, we thought uh, we were supposed to do this or that, and we thought we were supposed to be this way, and then after a while it's like, wow, that is really not working out so good. And you start reevaluating, and you realize, I, I think maybe I went the wrong direction. I think I missed that. And so we go back and we give, we give God a chance to, to straighten us out. And his goodness, the Bible says his goodness is what leads us to repentance. You know, he's, he's, always, uh, he's always working good in us. And so when we mess up, instead of beating ourselves up, we just need to go back to the Lord and say, you know, I, I think maybe I, I, I did wrong. I think I went the wrong direction. Will you, will you show me the right way? And God is so faithful and he's so good to always reach out and say, okay, here, let me, let me show you first that I love you and I care about you. I'm not going to reject you. Even though you've acted like a loser, you know, I'm not going to call you a loser. You know, you know, God doesn't, he doesn't do that to you. He doesn't tell you you're a loser. He tells you you're his child and he loves you. He wants his very best for you. And we need to understand that about God. So when we see God like he is, then we can begin to be like him. And so when, when our spouse or our children or our parents or our friends or coworkers, when they hurt us, maybe they say something that's painful, they uh, trip you and then they kick you when you're down or whatever, you know, people do mean things to you sometimes. Sometimes they do it on purpose, sometimes they do it accidentally. It doesn't really matter because... When you're hurt, you're hurt. And the pain is still the same. But we as God's children need to be the kind of people that will love and be kind and gentle and love other people even when they're not so lovable, even when they're not so kind to us. We need to be able to love them because that's the way God is. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us while we were his enemies. And that's the way we need to be with the people that we know. The people that don't like us or don't treat us well, they may not appreciate your, your belief system. They may not appreciate what you stand for. They may think all kinds of bad things about you. And if we will just love them and keep loving them, no matter how much they say and do, you don't have to like what they do, but you can love them. And if you do that, some amazing things can happen because the power of love is pretty incredible. That's what brought us into the kingdom, right? The power of love. God, God coming and saying, hey, I love you and I'm going to love you no matter what you do. I'm still going to love you. 
Now, I say this periodically, and I'm, I'm going to say it again. God loves us, and he wants his very best for us, but if you reject him throughout your entire life, and you, and you pass in this life and go into eternity without having made him Lord, there is a, a certain judgment and death and separation that waits for you, and you're not going to escape it. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change the fact. And if you, if you don't believe that that is going to happen, I would just suggest to you that you're taking a really big chance because eternity is a long time to be separated from God and a long time to suffer and to be separated from God and everything that is good and holy and right. And so what have you got to lose? I mean, let's face it. As a Christian... I get an abundant life. I have peace. I have joy. I have hope. I have love. I have the ability to forgive and, and serve. I have the, the ability to do all the things through God's grace that he's called me to do. And my life is good. I don't have to suffer as a Christian necessarily in, in that I am giving up a bunch of things or that I am doing without things. What I suffer as a Christian is that Sometimes people treat me bad, or sometimes people might not agree with me. Uh, and sometimes having to love and serve, it's a little bit painful and inconvenient. But there are benefits to it as well. And so when you love and you serve, you, you are blessed. And when you're blessed, you're having a good time. And there may be some pain, but there's a lot of gain. And so it all works together. And so my attitude is, why not just believe and give God a chance. Because if you, if you take the other route, you're gambling with eternity. And if you gamble wrong, that, that's a lot to lose. The other way, if you go ahead and just say, well, I don't know, I'm not sure I really believe, but I'm going to try it. What if God really shows up and changes everything in your life, and all of a sudden your whole life is different, and everything has changed, and you realize then this is the real deal. You've gained everything, and you've not really given up anything. Pretty good offer, actually. So, if we see God, though, if we see God the way that He is, and we see Jesus, when He is revealed and we see who He really is, then we can become like Him. That's the great promise. Now, I want to read this passage in Second uh, Chronicles 7. We, we talked about uh, last week, the week before, when uh, Solomon was dedicating the temple. <clears throat> And they prepared all their, you know, their, their stuff and all the singers were in place and the priests were doing their thing and everything was, I mean, there was a big celebration and God showed up and the glory of God filled the temple and it says that the priests couldn't even stand to minister because the glory of God was so strong and so great. Well, in chapter 7, it's kind of a repeat and this is, it's really, it's the same day, it's the same time, it's just a little bit later in the celebration of dedicating the temple. And so, it said, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. 
for his mercy endures forever. So what I want to tell you is that when you experience the Lord in this way where he shows up and his glory is manifested to you and you experience who God really is and you see him as he is, you see his glory, you're going to have a response. You're not just going to sit there like a stump and say, oh, that's just another boring service. You know, I mean, you're going to want to fall on your face or you're going to want to dance and shout. You're going to want to get excited. You're going to want to respond to the Lord just like they did. And I always want to remind them or myself about what they said. They said, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Now, they were, they were a bunch of rebels. You know, they were stiff-necked rebels. That's what God said about them. That's how they lived their lives. They, from time to time, they would get right. But most of the time, the children of Israel were rebels. They just were. Not unlike us a lot of times. And yet, in all of their problems, they had enough on the ball to acknowledge that God is good and His mercy endures forever. And when you see that about God... It kind of changes everything because now you don't look at yourself as being flawed and broken and worthless and, and not able to be redeemed. You look at yourself as, hey, man, I've got some problems, but God is good and his mercy endures forever. There's hope for me. That's, that's how I get up and get excited every day because there's hope for me today, today. Today, there's hope for me because I can be changed. I can be forgiven. I can be cleansed. I can be different. I don't have to be like I was yesterday or last year or 20 years ago. There's hope. You can get excited about that hope because you don't have to be the same person that you've always been. God can change you, and you can be changed in his presence when you experience him. That's why coming together and worshiping is such a great opportunity because the presence of the Lord is here. It's easy to come in, join with other people that are worshiping. You get unified with them, and you can experience the Lord. And when you do, then you'll see what I'm talking about, because God will come, and he'll begin to speak to you, and you'll begin to be changed. And as you're changed, you'll have hope that you can change even more. And you'll also begin to realize that I'm not like that anymore. I'm not going to be that way anymore. I'm going to be different now. I'm being changed. Every day, I'm changing, becoming more like him. In John chapter 17, I want to read this whole, this whole chapter to you. It's not that long. And uh, <clears throat> there's some really amazing things in here. And I'm going to read it to you from the message because it's kind of a paraphrase. It's basically, it was a pastor's heart helping his people learn how to understand what God was saying to them. And this is what he says about John 17. Jesus said these things. Then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your sun, so the sun in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human, so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence. Excuse me. My iPad went away for a second. 
the very uh, glory I have with you in your presence. It's coming. It's coming. Okay. Before there was a world, I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me. And they have now done what you said. They know now beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me. For they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours and yours is mine. And my life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible to the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me so they can be one heart and mind as we are one heart and mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them in the pursuit of the life you gave through me. I even posted a night watch and not one of them got away except for the rebel bent on destruction. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but to you guard them from the evil one, that they are more defined, no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy consecrated with the truth your word is consecrating truth in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world i give them a mission in the world i'm consecrating myself for their sakes so they'll be truth consecrated in their mission i'm praying not only for them but also for those who will believe in me because of them and because of their witness about me the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there was ever a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you, and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission, and I have made your very being known to them. Who you are what you do and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. Now, I read all that because I wanted you to get the context of it, but the real, the real point was, he says, the same glory you gave me, I gave them. 
The same glory that God gave to his son, Jesus Christ, he is giving to us. It's pretty amazing. The same glory God is giving to us. Now, what does that mean? I'm not sure I understand it all yet, but I'll say this. Uh, when, when Jesus was praying this prayer, he was making it clear that there is something really significant about being one in heart and mind with the Father and the Son, and we're all one with each other. So the Father and the Son are one, and he said, make them, through your glory, make them, us, as his children, make us one in the Father and the Son. The way all that happens, I think, is that as we grow closer to him, as we walk with the Lord and we begin to see him as he is, we begin to experience him as he is, know him as he is, we are changed. And we purify ourselves just as he is pure. That's what we read the very first scripture in 1 John. You see him, you'll become like him because you'll, you'll be able to, to cleanse yourself because you'll see what you're shooting for. You have a goal, a target, and you'll see that you want to be like him. You want to be pure like his. You want to be filled with light like his. You don't want to be in darkness anymore. You'll want to be in light because he is in light. When you're in God's presence, you'll see that light, that glory will be shining into you, and you begin to pray every day and say, Lord, shine that light into me. Expose all the darkness in me. Expose the things in me that need to be changed so I can be like you. I want to purify myself so that I can be pure even as you're pure. I want to be like you. Jesus said, I'm consecrating myself. I'm setting apart myself, and I'm going to give myself fully so that these guys can experience what you and I experience, Father. That's the beauty of all of this, is that God has made a way for us to know him. God has made a way for us to experience his goodness and to, and to have that relationship with him. It'll never be... It'll never be like the Father and the Son in, in that exact sense, but we're, we're working towards that, to be in a relationship with Him where we're one with Him, where we experience Him, we know Him, and He can speak to us, and He can touch us, and we can experience that. Instead of just being some uh, dead thing in a book that you read about, it's a living relationship. And we need to see it that way and see that God is good and he wants to do good things in and through and for us all the time. In 1 Peter 5, verse 10, he says, but, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, you know, no one likes to hear all the bad stuff that, that might happen to us in this life, but there, there will be things that are not all that pleasant sometimes that happen. But after a while, through God's grace and glory working in us, it says he's going he's gonna to strengthen us, he's going to settle us, he's going to establish us, he's going he's gonna to fix us up where we're in good shape. If we'll just stay the course, let him keep doing what he wants to do in our lives. And it's a, it's a lifetime commitment. You know, it doesn't happen in one experience. You don't walk to the altar and pray a prayer and, and all of a sudden you're perfect. It doesn't work that way. But you start this journey 
and you walk that life for the rest of the time you're here, and that whole time you are changing. He is settling and establishing you and strengthening you and changing you so that you are purifying yourself even as he is pure. Second <clears throat> Peter 1.3 As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. <clears throat> so, he's given us these wonderful promises that will help us to figure out who God is and that we can actually not just know who he is, but we can be changed. We can begin to take on his very nature and become like him. That's what it says. We can take on his very divine nature, his character, who God is. God is love. We ought to be able to love. He talks about it. He is the prince of peace. We ought to be able to walk in peace. He said, I'm going to give you joy. It's not like the joy of the world. It's a different kind of a joy. It's a joy that remains. We ought to be able to have joy. Even when our circumstances are going the wrong direction, we can still have joy. We ought to have hope because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. All those things, those are promises to us that we can experience because God is in us and he's working a wonderful thing in us. And if you go on and read that whole chapter, it talks about you, you add to this, you know, you add to the virtue, the glory, you add to that, you, and you keep adding, you know, patience, and all these things are working in you, and they're working in you, these good things that we want and need to, to change us. Now, 2 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 18, actually, I want to start in verse 7. Paul's talking to him about, uh, about the experience that Moses had when he was... Uh, going up and meeting with the Lord. He said, but the ministry of death, talking about the, the Ten Commandments and the, the law, the covenant, he says, the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory is passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now where the Lord is, is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the thing is, you, you experience the Lord and you see Him. It's like you're, you're looking into a mirror and you're seeing this reflection and you're seeing what you look like and yet you're not just seeing you, you're seeing who you're supposed to be. You're seeing who you're supposed to become, how you're being transformed, and you see that. And the Lord can change you, transform you, 
That word transformed, it is the metamorpho. That's, it means you're being changed into something different, a different look. Doesn't mean you're combing your hair different or something. It means you're being changed. I mean, the glory of God is coming into your life and you're being changed from glory to glory. You're being changed into something new altogether. And you don't forget, when you look in the mirror, you don't forget what you look like. You don't forget what God is working in you because you've seen Him and you know what that looks like and you know what you're working towards. And you begin to study the Word. You begin to read the Word and pray. You begin to worship and say, Lord, I want to be like you. Change me. And God can do that when you know, when you know what you're looking for and what you believe in and where you're moving. You can't just do it ignorantly because you're, you're shooting in the dark. But when you have your eyes open and the light is there, you can see what you're aiming for and you can hit the target. You've got, you got a purpose. You see what you're shooting for. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's like a quadruple dosage there of light and glory, shining the light, seeing it in the face of Jesus Christ, who is the very express image, the brightness of his glory. It's who he, Jesus, is the reflection of who God is. And so we're seeing all this in the face of Christ, and, and that gives us the ability to be changed. And here's the last part of this, though. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power, that dunamis power, may be of God and not of us. We are in earthen vessels. So in other words, we're not perfect. We know we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But isn't that a great hope, though, to know that even though we're in these earthen vessels, God has seen fit to give us His glory, to send His Son, to send that light, and to change us so that we can be like Him. Even though we're in these earthen vessels, even though we're, we're in a broken situation, God can still redeem and make something beautiful and wonderful out of it. Amen. And then he goes on and he says, We're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And we're always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. There's going to be some pain. Jesus died, and we're supposed to be like him. I mean, we, we have to sacrifice ourselves for the kingdom. And that doesn't mean you desert your family. It doesn't mean you turn into a, you know, a person that's just gone off the deep end and you know, you're, all, you know, you're just not taking care of your responsibility. What it means is you're willing to give yourself to the Lord. And if you do that, that means you'll love people, you'll serve people, you'll listen to God, you'll allow Him to change you. And the, and the beautiful thing about it is that all that is happening in us the messed up, broken people that we've spent our whole lives being, and yet God has never given up on us. He wants to change us, and he wants to make something really glorious and great out of our lives. And our responsibility is just to say yes. 
let's come on back and we're going we're gonna to get ready to close up. And I'm, I want you to think about the fact that, that all this is happening in us because of God's great love for us. And he wants, he wants to cause wonderful, amazing things to happen in our lives. And we have to, we have to get our minds right about it because uh, sometimes life is challenging. Sometimes life is, is just outright difficult and it can be frustrating and things don't go the way that you would like. They don't go the way that you were hoping for. You have disappointments. You have uh, all kinds of things that go the wrong direction for you. But when it's all said and done, if you're walking with the Lord, you can have hope and peace and joy because you know that he will never leave you or forsake you and that all the things that you're experiencing, we know that he has overcome the world and we can be overcomers as well. He causes us to triumph and we are more than conquerors in Christ. So that glory that he's revealing in us will change us and we'll begin to live this life the way that he intends for us to and we'll be representatives of the kingdom the way that we're supposed to be walking in the light as he is in the light
you're here this morning and you've never given your life to the Lord and maybe you don't even understand how all that works, it's, it's not a difficult process. Very simple. Just acknowledge that you need Him because we are sinners, all of us. Nobody's perfect. So you acknowledge, Lord, I need you. I confess that I've sinned, and I don't, I don't want to be like that. I want to be a child of the King. And so, Lord, would you forgive me? Come live in my heart. I accept you as my Savior. I accept you as my Lord. I want you to guide me and lead me throughout the rest of my life. I want to live for you, and I want to experience what we've been talking about this morning. Simple prayer. If you don't know the Lord, pray that prayer. Send us a note or something and tell us so, so that we can know to be praying for you and we can encourage you. If you have other needs this morning, the Lord is here to, to speak to your need. He is saying to all of us, I am the healer. I am the provider. I am the good shepherd. I am your banner. I am your righteousness. I am your peace. I am the I am. Whatever you need, just say, yes, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you are who you say you are. And I believe what you say about yourself. And I believe what you say about me. And I want to see the glory of God manifested. So I receive that now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Continue to, to trust and pray and believe that the Lord will deliver this nation, that this coronavirus will, will go away and we'll be back to some, some type of normal and experiencing uh, all the things that God wants us to experience as his people and that we'll be able to be a light and the, and the salt in this world. And I thank you for it now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.